0: Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film
1: franchises, one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm about halfway through The Way Back, starring Ben Affleck. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm Alex.
2: (laughs) And I'm Britton. Guys, got another update from Netflix. Uh, You know, Ted over there. Gives us the top ten every day. You see what's mm-hmm. what people are watching in the U.S. Coming in at number two, we got the Smurfs. Uh, these blue boys will never da ba dee Uh die But what's this at number six? Uh, that's right, it's Quantum of Solace. Quantum Woo! of Solace being number six film in the country today. Mark Forster's uh, epic tale of romance and espionage. Uh, that's right, this bond won't bail. So get over to Netflix and check out Quantum of Solace. Tyler, I know what
1: you're doing tonight.
2: Be one of the cool kids. I really like the idea of this, (laughs)
1: like,
2: weather report. (laughs) And it's Warrior Nun? Are they just slapping words together? Does Netflix decide it's programming by those, like, word magnets you put on a refrigerator? (laughs) Alex, I'm really glad
0: you mentioned that The Wayback, or you reminded me, I should say, that The Wayback is on HBO Max, because I've
1: been looking forward to that. I want to watch it. I don't know why. Again? I could not tell you why. It's, it's, it's perfectly fine. It's, it's, it's exactly what you'd expect. I believe ben, you. Ben Affleck's really good in it.
2: Alex, who directed that? Is that the guy who made, um, I think it was Warrior? Mark Forrester. <laughs> I think it was, uh,
1: Gavin O'Connor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Warrior. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Warrior, yeah. Not Warrior
2: None, which would be great if Tom Hardy was in Warrior Nun,
0: <laughs> Or Ben Affleck.
2: Um, <laughs> 30 yeah, Hail so, Marys and die,
0: Batman! Um, as as you can probably tell, we are <laughs> uh, drifting away from uh, our current series right now because we miss our movies, but we are talking <laughs> about a TV show. Much, much,
2: like Dan and the, much like D&D drifted away from their, the series. That... <laughs> That's, me. That's not true and
0: you know it. <laughs> I'll prove it with facts um when we get there the episodes we are talking about this week from our game of thrones uh discourse is are grammar fewer um the the war is to come episode one of season five um the house of black and white episode two high sparrow episode three sons of the harpy which is episode four and then kill the boy which is episode five um, i touched on this last week but we do have an entirely new slate of directors uh, for the majority of this season. All of the se- for a majority of the season. Well, ne- next week we'll uh, re- revisit some guys. One guy, to be precise. <clears throat> but uh, the director of the first two episodes is Michael Slovis, who I think has just done a variety of normal television, Better Call Saul, like kind of prestige, AMC, oh, okay. HBO stuff. Um, Mark Mylon, who I think he's done episodes of like Entourage and Shameless. Wow. <laughs> Outside of this. Uh, he directed the third and fourth episode. And then Jeremy Padezwa. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and, I, yeah. and I hope I am and I apologize that I'm not. Um, who I actually did not really look at what he has done before. But I'll, I'll give you an update on that in the middle of the podcast. Um, <laughs> the writers this week, the first three episodes are our very good friends D&D. Uh, and then episode four is Dave Hill, a new writer, uh, for the show who will come back, I think for the next two seasons, he'll get, he'll pop in for an episode. Um, and then episode five is, uh, our, no less, no less in our troop of, of dudes writing these shows, uh, or this show is, uh, Brian Cogman, uh, doing his thing. So, yeah. Uh, we do have IMDb scores. They're all, they're all between eight point. This time they're a little bit lower than before, so it's a little mm. bit of a change. But they're all between eight point five and eight point seven. So a you know Sign
1: of things to
0: come. Sure, <laughs> but they're just they're all just like there's no there's no rhyme or reason to these. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we've actually hit the point where like people have gone back to explicitly make the ratings worse, which will happen. I promise you, (laughs) but, uh, but for, for the moment, I think that might just be like lack of enthusiasm, still fine scores. Um, I've talked about in previous episodes, usually it's between like 8.8 and 9.1 is usually the randomly assigned score that gets down on these. So these are a little bit lower from our, our, our boys on the IMD forum, IMDB forums. Um, but yeah, no, Jeremy. I, I still cannot pronounce his name's he's Canadian. I don't I don't know where this name came from. Um, I would
2: think it's Podeswa, yeah. I think Maybe you Podeswa. Write.
0: We'll go with Podeswa. Um, and uh, apparently he's worked on Six Feet Under and uh, the Pacific. Oh. So good Oh man. okay, okay. Pretty cool.
2: Good job, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. Jim? <laughs>
0: is that is that a shortened word?
2: I don't know. I think I
0: think um, so. <laughs> So yeah, uh, before we get into best and worst episodes, I do want to say, just because we're we're not focused at all to begin with, and I might as well just get it all the way out of the way now. Um, Michael Slovis led me down a rabbit hole because he, I, I noticed on his uh, Wikipedia page that he was a cinematographer for Halloween Town, um, and okay, Halloween Town is directed by a man named Dwayne Dunham. He has nothing to do with Game of Thrones, but <laughs> I felt important to bring it up. Because apparently this man was an assistant editor on Star Wars and Apocalypse Now. Um, Whoa. An assistant editor on The Empire Strikes Back and Raiders of the Lost Ark. The the editor, I guess, for Return of the Jedi and Blue Velvet. And then this man goes on to direct uh, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. And I thought... Is he... Yes, okay. So he he goes on dr- to direct Homeward Bound the Incredible Journey. Uh he was also an editor and, for all of Twin Peaks and a director on some of the episodes of Twin Peaks. And Jeez. he was the director of Halloween Town, which is how I landed on this man's page. Um, yes. <laughs> it just And he was also the editor for the entirety of Twin Peaks the Return. Like I, uh, I
2: like what it... <laughs> I like I like the image of this guy like packing up all his stuff, putting it on like a little bindle on his shoulder and bidding farewell to George and David Lynch and and all his friends and saying like it's time i need to i need to forge my own path and tell my own stories
1: <laughs> well what's it gonna be about
2: a dog that gets a porcupine butt in his nose <laughs> and then a lady who fights a pumpkin i think make that the same movie and sign me up <laughs> <laughs> Halloween
0: Town Bound, a David <laughs> Lynch film. <laughs> David, David Lynch, who's been like people people hang on his every word for uh, news of of Twin Peaks season four. He just comes down. and He's like, "I'm teaming up with my good friend Dwayne Dunham, and we're going to be directing a sequel to both the Homeward Jer- Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, and Halloween Town."
2: I'm, <laughs> at I'm the working at Disney time, again. <laughs> That's right it's a shared universe you all, you idiots like that don't you <laughs> And there's like a four a four minute scene of a dog just like meditating over a cup of coffee and then like slowly lapping at it and looking into the camera and saying something like I am as old as time itself <laughs> Oh man <laughs> Well, that's my best episode of Game of Thrones. Sure. Uh, no, shall we start with that, and I can give you my actual best yeah. episode. Sounds uh, good.
0: Unfortunately, we do have like actual content we wanted to discuss right, and create right. this episode
2: around some sort of structure. My um, so uh, th- these five episodes. It was interesting getting here after seasons three and four, where. This kind of went back to how I felt about season two and one to a degree where the first five episodes were like, oh, yeah, this is just, like, stuff. This is, mm-hmm. yeah, we're setting things up. We're moving things around. Like, not a whole lot of major, major things happen. Um, but my best episode, um, you can kind of, it's a toss-up, but I'm going to go with episode three. Um, you know, that was when uh, we get inside the House of Black and White and mm-hmm. Brienne has this great backstory about Renly uh, you get more stuff with uh, the, Stannis and them at the wall. Uh, there's a great scene where an old woman says, The North remembers to Sansa, which I really liked. As painful mm-hmm. as it is to watch all the scenes of Sansa and Ramsay, I like the occasional like extras being like, Sansa, we got you. <laughs> Don't worry, <laughs> we love you. Um, and then, of course, Jonathan Price is introduced in this episode, mm-hmm. one of the great actors, and he's awesome, and I love him. Uh, yeah, I know. I just thought that was neat, and it ends with Jorah kidnapping Tyrion. Um, I don't know if that's if it individually is my best, or if it's so much like that was when in the like the first episodes I watched, and I was like, oh yeah, sure, Game of Thrones, and this is the one that I was like, oh okay, cool, I'm I'm re-engaged. Yeah, uh, I I you, I I am fully here. Uh, so conversely, I would say my my worst episode is the first one, just because you know our usual complaint: the least stuff happens. <laughs> um except for like killing Mance, but like you know Mance is only in three episodes yeah um also they kill a king every season so far i did mm-hmm. not realize that but mm-hmm. every season they kill a king um and this does have when uh manse says i just want the freedom to make my own mistakes which a lot of people ascribe to D, that sort of being their plea to the audience of like we're 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 doing this our way now, because, like,
0: we, we only have so much have of have books to. left.
2: Yeah, we only have so much of these books
1: left, so you need to give so us when the you, So when you burn us at the stake, remember to shoot us in the heart with an arrow. <laughs> remember to give us mercy, that's, yeah. That's all we ask,
2: really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and a lot of my notes for this uh, episode are just, like, reminding myself of things that happened and saying things like, Hey, it's Lancel and Kevin. You know, just kind of like, oh, yeah, there's stuff going on. <laughs> Um, just
0: very like oh my my good friends uh Cersei, Lancel Kyburn, uh <laughs> Master Pycelle of course and Kevin, <laughs> and Ke-
1: and Kevin. <laughs> it's it's so weird what Connor either able brother. to keep. Because <laughs> Kevin Lannister like it's the same actor from like season one right oh, yeah. yeah same dude. It ain't I that mean, hard. I don't, well, I I do think
2: it's also a matter of, I I don't know anything about this actor. He might be very, very busy, but he's not like a major star. Who's going to also have other offers and be really, you know what I mean? Like he might just have more room in his schedule to be like, Oh yeah, I can come back into game of Thrones. Whereas, you Mm -hmm. know, a, a a mega star like Ed Scrain is, (laughs) (laughs) which admittedly he has actually been in a lot of big movies. Sure. Um, in fairness. Uh, and so you, I think that's probably a part of it with some of these guys. Um,
1: Yeah, I'm sure, but but, uh, I just,
2: it's an interesting observation. Yeah, no, I do know what you mean, is when you have a character who's not even that major from that many seasons ago, and they can still just, like, and here he is, here's Kevin again, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's more to say about those episodes as we go deeper, but for now, that's my, I don't have any, like, major thing to qualify them as my worst or best, so that's what I have to say.
1: Um, for me, I'd probably say that my my best episode was uh, episode four, Sons of the Harpy. Um, mm-hmm. that's mostly just because of the final scene with Grey Worm and and yeah. Barristan's uh Great. last stand. Um, it's like a really really well done sequence. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it it is kind of what we've talked about before, where where you know things start, you know, the wheels start spinning and we start pushing the plot forward. Um, within the last few episodes uh yeah but that that scene's just like that was (laughs) that was awesome it's a great it's a great scene yeah um my worst i honestly thought the first couple of episodes were kind of underwhelming and i'll get into that I'd, i'd probably agree with britain that just episode one um would probably be my worst um just trying to review what happens in each episode real quick because as we have already explained i don't have a great memory for these
3: things
1: (laughs) um episode two has has the really really well done scene where they um where daenerys executes um or orders the execution of one of the the former slaves and then everyone starts hissing at her and she goes oh wait maybe i've done something wrong (laughs) and then a riot ensues um so yeah i really like that moment but the 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 problems that I found early on was that a lot of the dialogue felt very clunky and overly heavy with exposition, um, and it felt like a lot of it was exposition that the audience should already be familiar with. Um, I almost got the vibe that it was it was for people who, since Game of Thrones is now like this popular thing, it's in the cultural zeitgeist. Everyone knows Game of Thrones. It almost felt like. We're trying to write this in case people are just jumping on board, and this is literally the first thing that they're seeing of the show, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But I i don't know.
0: I think you could—you could also see it from the angle of like, oh, they're—they're they're thinking a bunch of people might have like just recently watched it, and you know, this is around the time of binge watching being a thing. Yeah. Uh, so I think maybe they're one—they're thinking like, oh, now a bunch of people are getting caught up, and they're—they're they're rushing through it. So we gotta like slow things down and make sure they understand what's going on. There are, I think, other reasons that I want to get into the, as to why it might feel so clunky and like obvious. Uh, but we'll we'll talk about it. I mean, I, I think,
2: and I think too, a lot of the expository stuff is like I noted. There's a lot of talk about Lyanna and Rhaegar because I think now D and D are like, okay, we're getting close to some revelations that aren't going to make sense unless you really remember stuff yep. from the past. So like, let's kind of refresh you guys on a lot of stuff that happened within that rebellion that we've
1: talked right. about, but like, hey, this is going to be relevant again soon. Well, it, it's, it, it was interesting watching the first couple of episodes and trying to refamiliarize myself with kind of where the plots go for this, this season, because I remember there being a certain disconnect for me with how Cersei... She decides to utilize the Faith Militant and kind of give them power, and mm. I remember that always feeling like it was a really like quick leap to her going to them for help for some reason and i think the show does say what her motivation is but i don't feel like they they give it enough time to to i don't know pacing wise that that felt off it felt Mm -hmm. like just out of nowhere she's going to visit um jonathan price who's absolutely wonderful Mm -hmm. um uh, what is her motivation again what was that what is her motivation again Well, the idea is that her father's dead so that everybody's going to be coming after them and trying to tear them down, Um, especially since Tommen, you know, is a bastard. A lot of people think he's a bastard. Like, their claim to the throne is at stake now. Right. So the idea is that Cersei is like, all right, let me combine my forces with with this force that I think I can control, and we can kind of keep keep King's Landing, you know, under wraps. Yeah, I don't think the show comes out enough to talk about that, but I do think it's there. So it's just kind of weird how we're given like ample time to like, I guess, refamiliarize my, ourselves with with what's going on in the show instead of trying to be like, okay, here's the plot. Here is the plot for this season. Sure. You know, but kind kind of clunky for the first couple episodes. I think it quickly kind of gets out of that, but.
0: I'm uh, I'm gonna concur with y'all on uh, episode one being the worst. I think it's not bad. It's not yeah. like the, the soaring heights that the show can reach. Uh, but it's 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 a little foundation builder. It's fine. Um, for all the, I mean, obviously we'll have more points to talk about that spread throughout these episodes. Uh, so don't dwell on that too much longer. Um, I'm actually gonna go with episode five as my best. Uh, kill the boy. I think that. It is an episode that really starts to pick things up. And um, more specifically, we get a lot of great intrigue stuff going on with Jon Snow. Um, There's a lot of stuff about Ramsay in this episode that's really fascinating to watch and horrifying to watch as uh, Ramsay basically is beginning to show Sansa that he's a horrible person that is willing to engage in all sorts of psychological manipulation. Um, And so we get a ton of stuff with Theon in this episode that I really enjoy. I really like how much throughout the show it establishes that Ramsay fully understands the importance of Theon and his relationships to other characters and the fact that he sort of has this thing that's fallen into his lap that he can use, whether it's to take back Moat Kaelin or if it's to torture Sansa, uh, he has... This sort of bargaining chip and this this piece in uh all the little weird uh Machiavellian stuff he's trying to do, i guess it's not really Machiavellian it's more it's more outright than that, just sort of general uh horribleness um that he's trying to do against anybody and everybody around him uh and uh it's it's really fun to watch him i mean I do not know how to pronounce his name what is, what is the actor's name who plays? Who plays Ramsey? Uh, Ewan? Oh, Ewan Rion.
2: Yeah, uh, Ewan. I think it's Ewan, or Ewan or something. Yeah, Ewan Rion.
0: Okay, okay. Ewan Rion. Yes, cool. I, kn- I knew that there was like a W and an R, and it was just... Yeah. There's there's too many ways. <laughs> um, but uh, we also get a little bit of Sansa continuing to show that she's hardened. Uh, she she throws some sort of backhanded insults. There's a great bit where uh, Roose is... Explaining, oh yeah, you know we're we're having a baby. Uh, you're you're gonna have a, a brother. And Sansa looks at Ramsay and sees the reaction Ramsay has, him, and she's like, "I'm so congratulations. That's so great for you guys. Like, I'm so happy for you. Um, it's quite good." Um, the Daenerys starts this episode with like one of the more heinous things I think she's done up to this point. Um, and we'll probably talk a, a good bit about Daenerys. I think we're really, really getting into stuff happening with her <laughs> and uh, the ramifications of all her relationships and, and how that's all playing out. Um, the She starts off by summarily executing a man who has, like, literally no... Like, she does not know if this man has done anything whatsoever. She's just like... I think you might possibly could be involved, and I want to inspire fear in the other people that might possibly could be involved, so I'm going to burn
1: you alive and have my dragons tear you in half. And it's like, okay. I love love that where she's like, you know, some of you, you know, you you might all be guilty, you might all be innocent, who who cares? (laughs) Just like, oh! Wait, wait a minute. That's not a good person. Daenerys, um... I thought you were the hero. I guess <laughs> mm-hmm. <And it's, laughs> I was
0: wrong. And it's great because it's as far as the viewer's perspective, it's it's hidden within the fact that this is retaliation for barrison dying, and so she's rightly yeah. lashing yeah. out and 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 very upset and wants to squash whatever is happening here. Um, and so it's a really interesting decision, and I think takes her a step farther than a lot of people realize in terms of like, no, that's that's not okay. It's not a yeah. there's no moral compass that can tell you that that's like. The right thing to do. I don't know. Um, But then she ends with her being like, I'm alone. Dario just wants me to kill everyone. I don't know what to do. Masande, what would you do? Masande's like, well, I think you should consider the fact that you've, you know, made some decisions where you listened to your advisors and some decisions where you ignored them. Uh, And in some of these, you've been able to find a good third choice. And then she ends the episode by being like, okay, I'm going to uh, restore the old traditions to try to put some control back into Marine. Um, but they're going to be done under my watch and I'm going to, uh, marry into the Marine's politics. So it's like that, that's, that's smart. That's, that's how politics work in this show. Right. And so she's, she's getting a little bit of that. Like she, you know, again, it's this show rarely has characters continually make good decisions or continually continually make bad decisions. They're all pretty nuanced in how they approach things and, uh, Sometimes they they see through the or see the light, and they figure out how to do something that's actually for their gain. Um, and then obviously the episode ends with uh, Jorah and Tyrion mm-hmm. uh, slowly developing some sort of relationship as they go into old Valyria, and uh, then Jorah gets gets that grayscale. What's gonna yeah. happen there?
2: Yeah, that 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 scene had some serious Walking Dead vibes. Because, like, when Tyrion... And, obviously, like, I've read the book, so I knew that Jorah had mm-hmm. grayscale. But, like, Tyrion says, did they touch you? And Jorah's like, no. And I went, oh, they touched him, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> Jorah? Jorah, Jor, show us show us your bite. Show us the bite, yeah. Jorah.
1: The editing in that is a little silly, because it's a little too drawn out. Sure. Yeah. With, with how long it's like, come on, we all know. <laughs> like, w- w- we're here. Come on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think that Jorah forgot, forgotten. He was like... No, they didn't touch me. Oh Oh, crap. oh dang. He, he like looks down because
0: he thinks he's like Oh, is that a do I have a bug bite there? What's what's Oh
2: oh no Oh. Uh beans <laughs> uh beans
1: I shook hands with one of them, but I didn't know that this is what it meant.
2: Well, he went for in for a high five and a uh, Mormont never leaves a brother hanging. So <laughs>
0: Um, I do want to pause before we really dive into it uh, for a moment and talk about, because I've been, I've been promising this for a while, a, a mini rant on the fact that, like, at this point in time, uh, our our friends of the podcast, D&D, they're in, they're in deep water in terms of trying to adapt this thing. Um, yeah. Because the first three books in the A Song of Ice and Fire series, like, I don't think any of this is not known, but I don't know how many people realize just how stark... Lol. Uh, the situation is, um, because George wrote the George George R. Martin. For those who aren't aware, (laughs) wrote not George Lucas. Uh, wrote the (laughs) first three uh, Song of Ice and Fire books like in the nineties, in like five years of each other, and each of them had like eight characters to follow, and then or well, the first one had eight characters. Uh, we talk about POV perspectives. They are, like, the characters the chapters are written from, and so it's got eight of them. It's all our Starks, and it's, uh... Th- no, th- Tyrion, um, Daenerys, and then, I think I'm missing somebody, but, I mean, like, Jon Snow, obviously. Like, there's uh, there's uh, some seven yeah, characters, because Ty- it's it's Tyrion, Ned and Kna- Tyrion, Catelyn. Tyrion, and... Daenerys,
2: Ned, Catelyn. Sansa? Yeah. Arya, John, Yeah, and Bran, then the other one's um, like... So, well, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so it's, I don't know what you're talking about, though.
0: It's, it's our core cast. It's the people we know. And then I think the next book adds Theon to replace Ned, and then adds Davos, I think, as well, so that we have uh, some eyes into Stannis yeah. and what's going on with him. And then the third book, which was, as we talked about, uh, seasons three and fours was adapted from this. And so then when we take out Ned and we we put back Theon and Davos, then we've got uh, nine? That's how math works. <laughs> I might be missing somebody. Yeah, nine. No. Um, but I had this, at one point I had figured this out. Basically, not that much, many more characters. Right. And then the third book does the same thing. I think Theon disappears for the third book while he's reeking. Uh, and then uh, we add in a couple more characters to get some more perspectives. Um, and then when we get to books four and five, which were originally supposed to be one book, uh, and were originally supposed to take place after a five-year time jump, which I think I mentioned back in the first episode of this the series um yeah george George wanted there to be a five-year time gap after the third book so that we could like reset and establish things and he realized as he was writing that like it just wasn't feasible because he was having to write like flashbacks that turned into just like the story that would have happened in those five years um and so he eventually gave up on that but it took him five years to figure that out and after five years, he was like, oh, I've got this giant book. I need to split this book up in half. And so he splits off half the book and releases it in 2005. And then he takes another six years to release the second half of what was supposed to be a giant book that has, like, Daenerys and Bran yeah. and Tyrion. Like, all... John I think, is in that. Like, all the important characters yeah. are in that one. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. <laughs> What are you doing, George? And, it,
2: and, it's, and it's books, it's events that are happening concurrently. There are a yes. few that carry over, but it's like most, and, and that also introduced extra gray joys that never make it to the show. Like all the, yeah, it's it spread out so wide without really moving that far forward.
0: Yes. And the thing is that over the course of these two books, so we we established in the first those first three books, I think we add maybe like four new characters, new POV characters. And over the course of these two books, uh, two quote unquote books that were supposed to be one book, uh, he adds 12, <laughs> 12 POV <laughs> characters. Um, and th- this will set off alarm bells for you. Uh, if you're, if you're a show watcher who, who is, does not have much knowledge of the books and follows these sort of conventional narratives of, of like people talking about the show, um. The 12 characters are mostly characters from Dorne and the Iron Islands. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, like, basically, he just creates a new cast in both of these areas to be like, oh, I need to cover this. So I'm going to put new people here entirely. Yeah. Um, and it's just, like, the the idea of, tr- of looking at this, and, and I should say... I mentioned that last one came out of 2011. That was like right after the show, the first season of the show aired. Mm -hmm. So like, that's there. They're thinking, okay, he's on like a five-year track, you know, we'll buy around this time. We'll we'll come out with one. Um, And they get to this point and it's like, you can't adapt some of the stuff that he's done in these books because they're so ponderous and wandering. Like Brianne is, spends all this time just like going through the riverlands and getting into the the little politics of the local houses um, and like meeting a bunch of new characters and there, there's so many different small subplots that get introduced that we really, at this point, have no idea where they're going, if they're popular uh, or important, I should say, um, moving forward. Like, we don't, we don't know anything about what, yeah. <laughs> what he, his game plan is here because it really does feel like he's just spiraling more and more and more. And that, he released that fifth book in 2011. Uh, the, he still has not figured out the next stage of this, Whereas you've got D&D who are barreling through having to release a season every year and had to push, as for, if I'm not mistaken, I had to push HBO to delay and let them yeah. actually film that last season over two years so that they could actually get all the production that they needed. Um, yeah, And they had to come up with and film the ending of this thing that had not been finished yet. While right. George still has not written in 2020, present year, still has not <laughs> completed the next chapter in this story, and it's and I I think that like I people also hate on George a lot. Like they'll they'll read that all of that mess and they'll look at that and they'll say, oh well, uh, it's not D and D's fault then. It's George R. R. Martin's fault. It's like I don't think it's necessarily his either. Like he he didn't ask for this to be a thing. Yeah. He I mean. I don't think he ever really wanted the show to be adapted, and D and D kind of came to him and were like, "Hey, we're really passionate about this. This seems really interesting. Uh, let's let's try and adapt it." And he talked with them and discovered that they he felt like they really didn't know what he was going for, and so like that's that's how they convinced him to let him start making the show. And so it's just like I don't know. I don't really blame anybody, but it's it's not a great situation to be in at this point. And I think that it explains a lot of the criticisms that come towards the show moving forward, because there is stuff that they just have to cut out. Um, Something that we didn't mention, uh, I meant meant to circle back to it in the last episode, is that uh, Catelyn Stark gets revived by the uh, spirit force of Beric Dondarrion in the books at the end of Mm -hmm. book three, which would have been the end of the last season. Um, And uh, then she pops up like once in the next two books. Yeah uh brand runs into her and and that's that (laughs) it's like we don't know where that's going at all we don't know if that's important uh it's like what do you (laughs) yeah you've you've revived this character
1: like i don't well i i'll i'll just say this um i don't feel like and just you know once again haven't read the books i've only seen the show and then of course i have a talk with you Tyler about a lot of the stuff that happens in the books um it doesn't feel like stuff is missing for Mm -hmm. a lot of 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 the rest of the show so I think that's actually a testament to to D&D in terms of like at least streamlining it so it it at least it doesn't feel like huge swaths of plot are missing it feels like this is yeah I don't know the continuity for that makes sense to me yeah um (laughs) there's we could spend a
0: long time talking about the stuff that gets cut from just the books that we do have uh yeah. but like i mentioned brienne they completely just like reroute her they're like nope she's involved with sansa she's involved with stannis 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 move her up there get send her up north well,
1: yeah I, I think that's a very logical yeah. way to to anch- anchor the story like yeah. i don't know i the the way you're talking about it, I'm like, yeah, that, that doesn't sound like a very compelling storyline for her this season. And send her yeah. <coughs> excuse me. Send her off and connect her with the couple of things that we know Brienne yeah. is already emotionally invested yeah. in. Like, and it's it's not like the you know,
0: books are a different medium than a show, so it makes sense yeah. that things would work in one but not the other. Um, right. But these are things that really only work in books, because like Jamie is yeah. also doing something very similar, where he's kind of floating around the Riverlands, and they're like, okay, well, we don't really feel like making the audience get used to and care about all these characters in Dorne. Let's send Jamie to Dorne. Let's let's. Ha- Marcella's there. We can right. have that be a plot that we can we can bring Braun along because people like Braun and Braun's fun, and he has a little bit of a relationship with Jamie that I don't believe he has in the books. I don't think he trains Jamie in the books. Huh? With, I don't think so. about no, his it's a uh,
2: it's a different guy. It's a different guy. I yeah, think
0: it's well, I, I Payne um who does it in the books.
1: Oh I'm maybe. Well, well yeah then once again that that feels like a natural way yeah. to to kind of condense this stuff and get it moving yeah. forward. I mean we can argue about how well the Dorn stuff is actually handled sure. but I think in yeah. terms of like overall plot if, if you're presenting me with with like here are the major beats that happened this season I don't go that doesn't seem like something Jamie would do yeah. or that doesn't seem like something Brian would do. No I, I I don't know. All, all those choices make sense to me. Uh, and then there's all the stuff they leave out uh, that just,
0: like, never had an, an analog in the show. Because uh, we, I mentioned this uh, back when we were talking about the, some of the Jorah Dan- Daenerys stuff in Season 1. Um, there's a whole plot line where there's a conspiracy, where there's a guy who claims to be um, the Rhaegar's son uh yeah. who is whisked out of out of King's Landing during the sack of King's Landing and he's actually the real heir to the throne and uh he's with some guy who's very similar to Jorah but not Jorah it's a different guy different house
3: uh right who, right
0: it's the house the house crest is the griffin i don't remember exactly what his name is hmm. um but it's some different guy and they and Tyrion meets this guy on the way towards as he's kind of like meandering towards Daenerys uh, and I think Varys tries to, like, purposely set him up to meet him, and then, like, Tyrion figures out, I think, who he is, and he's got, uh, the, the gold cloaks, not the gold cloaks, um, the, the golden, that's the, or the th- golden company, golden company, duh, um, who will, uh, pop up eventually in the show. Um but he's got this cell sword company and they're all heading towards Westeros and they invade Westeros at the end of the books before Daenerys does. <laughs> before before Daenerys <laughs> is like marine. And it's like what, you, what is this? Um and uh, then there's there's a guy from Dorne who goes all the way to uh Daenerys <laughs> Quentin. And, and tries to free her dragons and gets burned alive. And that's and he has like four yep. chapters it's just this, just this journey that he takes and then he dies and it's that like
2: was, that 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 to me was like a really fun like uh bonus like short on a pixar movie where you're like <laughs> oh doug doug is going on an adventure i want to see that yeah. that's like how how that the, those chapters read i was yes. like this is not important but i'm enjoying it yes this. Um, And there's a bunch of other stuff going on with the the Greyjoys that's
0: probably more relevant to bring up in the next uh, season as we start to talk more about them. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Arianne, Martell, etc. Yeah, there's just so much stuff that, like, I get... And the reason I bring all this up is because I was on uh, Reddit and whatnot when these episodes were airing, and I was watching these episodes as they came out, and the complaints people had about the show at that time that I think really wormed themselves into the way people think about this show were things like, Oh, why, why do we not have this guy who, who claims to be a Targaryen in here? Where, where is he? You left him out. Why did you leave sure. out Catelyn Stark getting resurrected? It was so cool. And it's like, I I agree. These are neat things. These are cool things that show up. There's a There's a knight in Dorne that everybody loves or thinks is super edgy and overrated, depending on who you do oh, to. Oh, that Dark Star? Yeah, uh, yeah. The, his the Dark Star. His
1: name He's... is called Boba Fett.
2: <laughs> he is basically <laughs> Boba Fett. Um, no, he really is. He has like he literally has like silver platinum hair. Yeah, like he he is 100% an anime character shoved into <laughs> Dorn. <laughs> um, and and there's all these things that people. I remember
0: people bringing up and being like really upset about and it's like those are probably cool plot lines that I am excited to see if we we do get another book what's going to happen to those plot lines and where they're going to go and how how hopefully they will eventually combine to get back together. Um, but they're not you can't make a show like that like you can't continually yeah. explode out stuff until you've got every you know 20
1: scenes each covering one random side character, and that's your episode, right? I it, mean, it's it's the same people that that are like, "Oh, Tom Bombadil's not in sure. Fellowship of the <laughs> Ring." Like sure. you guys screwed up big time, and it's like, but it has no bearing on the actual plot. Yeah. What we need to be it's, focused on, whatsoever. It's it's yeah. really it's a really interesting subplot in the books. Uh,
0: it it, it, it flushes out the universe. It flushes out the atmosphere. Uh, you don't need it in a movie. You can, you can tell that story visually in, in the same way you don't need it in a show. You can, you can do other things to get that point across. Right. Um, right. There are, and, and I'm not saying that like these are the only complaints about season five, because uh, I think people generally view season five as kind of a lower on the scale season. Um, but I am saying I think there's a ton of criticism that springs out of that thought process of like you mm. have left out a thing i thought i was going to get and now i am sad <laughs> um right. so i don't know that's that's my that's my rant over i feel like it was important to bring that up because they're uh they're facing a pretty rough time at this point um yeah and uh i think they did a, a pretty good job trying to nah, steer I- course
2: no, I, I agree. And I, th- I think this is something that I think comes up a lot with like comic book movies where people go, oh, this was just like it was in the comic book. That makes it good. Sure. Or this isn't like it is in the comic book. That means it's bad. Sure. Which is not always the case, because the thing about adapting things is you get the chance to fix them and you, you have to take a look at it and go, OK, this thing works in one medium. It doesn't work so well in the other. Or hey, this uh, thing and this story we all love—it's actually kind of outdated. Maybe we should tweak some of this mm-hmm. in terms of repre- to, to have like more respectful uh, representation for some of these characters, and you know, have the women treated better or something. Like, there there are ways you can fix it, but you know, people are so locked into their experience reading a comic book that they're like, if the costume isn't the same, then it's not a good movie. And it's like there, there's so much more that you can do one one way or the other, and and I think that. Because watching these five episodes, I was like, I'm just, I'm aware that they are flying more on their own. Not not completely untethered yet, but more on their own. And I was like, I think that's affecting my perception of this. Mm-hmm. More, excuse me, more than the show itself. And I think that yeah. if I didn't know, if I hadn't read the books, it wouldn't. I wouldn't even be aware of it. I would just be like, oh, more Game of Thrones, gotcha. Because, like, yeah even though D and D like the filter between Martin and D and D is getting thinner and thinner D and D have always been at the forefront of this thing. So it's like, I don't, I I don't know. I I think it's unfair to criticize something simply for being different or leaving things out. It depends on what they choose and how they go about replacing it. And, you know, I, I, I I don't need dark star. I do need (laughs) dark star. I don't need dark star. Um, I should also point out Darkstar's real name in the books is Gerald, so yes. that's great. <laughs> Correct. With a <an> no, <laughs> of course. Uh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Gerald Dane. Yes. George uh,
3: <laughs> Someone come well, get the well,
2: George. George had been reading Hey Arnold slash fic, and he sure. was like, That's one that I can use for my book. <laughs> um He would. But, um, hey, we don't talk about books on this show. We're not nerds. We're here to talk yeah. about Game of Thrones. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, now that we're 42 minutes into the episode, let's talk about these episodes.
2: Yeah. Um, so this is actually something that ties into this and is, is something that I'm doing. Genuinely... Do they ever mention, because this season opens with Cersei, baby Cersei, mm-hmm. Jim Henson's Cersei babies, going to get the prophecy from Toadie Beth or whatever the woman's yes. name is. Yes, I think you're right. And... I think it's Toadie Beth, and, <laughs> you know, she does this thing about, you'll be the queen for a little bit, and then a prettier lady's going to be the queen. In the books, there's this whole thing about this prophecy that Cersei's younger brother is going to lead to her death.
0: Yeah, Or specifically, like, people have interpreted it a million ways, because apparently, like, maybe it means younger sibling, or...
2: Right, because cause a lot of people were like, oh, that's t-, like, she took that to mean Tyrion, which fuels a lot of her hatred for Tyrion. But then a lot of people went, wait she was born before Jamie which is Jamie going do they ever bring that prophecy into the show Mm-mm.
3: Okay. Uh,
0: they they that is the the opening scene of this series where that's really just there to fuel more of like how why cersei is so paranoid about marjorie like even more so than the reason sure. she already has to be paranoid about her um, right it's really not like they they don't address that i think they kind of looked at that and they were like we don't want to. We don't want to lock ourselves into that. We don't know what people are going to want right. that to do. I don't know. So. Yeah.
2: Well, and and I, the the fact that their mother died in childbirth is enough reason for her to have this inherent disdain for Tyrion. Yes. Um. Like that's and also just their relationship in general. They're such different people. Mm-hmm. Like that already. Uh. And kind of worked for me. Um. I I will say I think this season or this dispatch of episodes. The show is doing better at showing the difficulties of leadership that the men face. Like, John has some genuine, like, leadership quandaries about the wildlings, and not just, like, who do I listen to? But, okay, if we want to survive the White Walkers, we need the wildlings, and I do want to protect them because they're not all monsters. But then my people are going to think that I'm, like, supplicating to the the wildlings, but I'm not. I'm trying to protect us. But is this going to protect us? Because they're going to hurt us. I don't know. And that's a really legitimate leadership quandary and with Daenerys they they do a better job in these five episodes where there is a lot of Daenerys going but I know that opening the fighting pits would like make me more beloved in in the eyes of my people but I don't want to do that because it's a violent thing and I hate violence clearly but it's (laughs) but I understand her not wanting to do that and, and, and we
1: will burn them all
2: I actually liked in the first episode because there's this whole thing where Dario's giving her advice, and it's bad advice. <laughs> and like, it's really. But then I like the Barristan later tells her he he gives her the truth about her father, and he's like, "Look, he was, he was evil and yeah. genuinely crazy. Like, you don't want to be like him." And that's like the first time someone has really gotten through to her.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And she has this moment of like, "Oh, he what? Oh, maybe I shouldn't do all these things," yeah. uh, which I thought was kind of cool. And then they talk about Rhaegar a lot because guess what? That's going to be relevant for too long. A little bit,
0: Um, yeah. Uh, I think that it's also interesting that they have they really have both her and John go through the same sort of quandary. John's is more straightforward um, when it comes to executing someone that has disobeyed you, um, because Daenerys Mm -hmm. has to face the the this. uh, former slave who has killed a master that she put in jail and was going to put through a trial. Uh, and it's very, very similar to Rob having to deal with uh, the Stark's killing the Lannister uh, boys that they had in prison uh, as like a revenge thing. And so it's, she's like, I, you know, I, I have to dispense justice. Therefore I have to kill this man. Um, and then Alex, as you mentioned, starts a riot things. It does not go well. And she's like, ah, <laughs> I don't, why is everything
1: hard? Um, well, I, I love before that when uh, who who's like the 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 mouthpiece for um, the the kind of upper class. His star. No, Lorac. Lourac, his right? his star is a. Lourac.
2: Yeah, his, his his dar is a Lorak.
1: Okay. Yeah. George. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I love the line where he's just like he she should have just murdered him in the temple and called mm-hmm. it a day. Like the fact that she's making it such a public execution. It's like, yes. that's what Joffrey did to Ned. <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it, it's supposed to be this sort of show of force of her being like, I have to pr- like show that just because, you know, it was a slave against a master. I can't let that can, you know, right. Become a thing that is okay. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, She's put herself in a worse mind because really, it it probably would have been better to just quietly handle it <laughs> and uh, yeah. right, you know, move on. So,
2: I, I noted about John executing Janice. I said this should be fine. Stark's executing people usually leads to good things. <laughs> we're we're going we're to be a okay with this one, Johnny. Uh, yeah, I liked that overall scene though. I I like that he and Alistair have this like. I don't like you, but dang it, I respect you relationship. Yeah. Where he's like, Alistair, you did a good job, and you know what? You're, you're, you're a head ranger. Like, yeah. when the chips are down, you're trustworthy, so you're good. Janos, you got to go, like, babysit this <laughs> this shack <laughs> like over Janos, here. Janos,
0: you did not do a good job. Uh,
2: I love during the, the voting scene, <laughs> when before John gets elected... Sam is just, like, dragging Janice and he's just like, yeah, he was in the larder with a woman and a baby, and everyone's <laughs> laughing. And they have this great shot of Maester Eamon with this look on his face, like, hey, get him. <laughs> yes.
0: Maester Eamon also, well, well, we'll finish the Janice Lent stuff first. Um, yeah. But, yeah, uh, and so Janice is like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then John's like, actually, you're going to do it. Uh, and then he's like, Nah. And then yeah. he's like, All right, I'm gonna kill you. And then he's like, Wait, I'll do it. He's like, No, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> and it's like, there is a point there where you know, Slint has a lot of uh, friends in the Night's Watch. Like he's clearly good at being kind of a buddy buddy networking dude. Yeah. Um,
1: and so there is a point where it's probably like, Okay, the guy's begging for mercy. Maybe you should look. He signed he up, up for off. LinkedIn Premium. He's got he's got his resume <laughs> fully filled out. He won't let you forget that he was in charge of the Kingsguard. Like. Mm-hmm. The man knows what he's doing, until he disobeys a direct order. Yes, uh,
0: and so that's that's another thing where
3: there
0: there will probably be consequences because you have uh, ticked off your some of your friends or some yeah. of the friends of this guy um, by being that uh, over the top. But also, you get a cool nod from Stannis. So you know,
1: yeah, that, a- was St- that was good. Stannis should have just walked over and. Should have burned him.
2: Um, I, <laughs> yes, he 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 just walks right behind John and goes, "Nice." <laughs> Keep... He walks. Up, he's like, "You're gonna you gonna burn him?" No, no, just beheading. <laughs> All right, I'm out.
0: <laughs> walks away. Ah, you never want to burn thing. Um, can I can I just stop here for a moment to as we're talking about um things being different from the books and getting blown away out of proportion? There was something that was literally like meltdown worthy. Uh, I remember in the in the old forums at this time at the time this show came out, um, and I would try to make you guys guess it, but there's literally no way you could because you would not know this was a thing that improved anything or was important. Um, John in this episode when he's going to execute Slint, he says, "Ollie, fetch me my sword." At, you know, sure, he's he's got this relationship yeah. with Ollie. Ollie is a sh- is a book only character, or no, sorry, other way around. Strike that. Reverse. Yeah, show only Ollie is a show only character. Um, oh,
1: well, I think that's a wonderful yeah. addition to the show, as opposed to some guy from Dorne who travels for four chapters just to get burned <laughs> alive.
0: Don't worry about it. Um, and so he, so John says, Ollie, we we have a relationship. You know, you, you, I've, I, I, made you my steward. I'm trying to, you know, help you become a man of the Night's Watch. Would you fetch me my sword so I can execute this man? Um, in the book, he he asks Ed, and he says Ed. Fetch me my block, because he wants to put Janice's head on the chopping block. Sure. Um, That change in dialogue (laughs) incensed people. (laughs) Like, people could not take it. And these are the kind of things I'm talking about where... Like, when when I... Because I'm sure that sometimes I come across as too defensive of uh, the last couple of seasons. And it's because, from my perspective, this sort of antagonism for the show has built from really petty, dumb things like this. <laughs> like, that continued to, I think, get, like, that attitude became more and more mainstream. Because, especially as more and more people jumped on and they didn't really have experience with the show and were just like, oh, I'm really enjoying, you know, the early parts of these seasons. And then had people talking on the online or friends or whatever saying, oh, well, yeah. there's these terrible things they did later on. Um, obviously, I don't think uh, that ever became a popular criticism for among just, like, the sure. general audience. But there were a lot of seeds like that where people continually would rake the show over the coals for things they had done. Uh, And then as it moved along, it became increasingly like, oh, now now we're looking for every little detail that we can pick out that we can say is worse. And so uh, this is what this
2: is weird.
1: I
0: know (laughs) because people are like, oh, I like I like Ed and it's cool that it was a block, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, it,
2: it, I like watching Ed carry square things. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's my favorite day.
1: Yeah, it, it's really interesting that, that this show came out during such a shift in, in online discourse and, and, like, just, like, the, the kind of rise of YouTube video essays yes. and all of that. Like, it's it's just... The show doesn't deserve the beating it's got. Like, <laughs> no, I've got my no. issues with later seasons, but it's, it's, you're all overreacting.
2: <laughs> it was all, it's also a rare case of something that is a very niche uh, genre series of books with a very passionate but niche fan base becoming the mainstream pop entertainment. Right. But it doesn't behave like mainstream pop entertainment. It still behaves like niche genre television, which is what it is. And when you have everybody and their mother watching the show, and this is not me like dragging middle America, but like (laughs) people like you said who just who are sort of like casually watching the show because like, oh yeah, Game of Thrones is the popular thing, so that's what I'm going to watch so I can participate in conversations because I can't think for myself. And it's like I'm just gonna am dragging middle America. Bazinga! Bazinga! I mean.
1: But I can't think for myself. So.
2: <laughs> no, but but I mean, but you know what I mean? Like it it just became like the show you would watch, the show to like it it was the thing that was big and you would talk about it and then it at, at certain points in pop culture there become things that just become the opinion to have. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the the there's like the hot topic s- store. <laughs> but there's just like the thing Spencer's, that you all but true and i think that i i I shouldn't have said a thing about not thinking for yourself but and i apologize (laughs) but uh with 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 game of Thrones, i think it just became very in in vogue to criticize it one because it was very popular and so the people want to be contrarian and then it was like oh okay to be like a part of this thing i have to like get mad about changes from the book yeah sure okay let's do it it's like when when stephen moffat took over doctor who that became like the thing for a while was like oh we all get mad and go moffat sure even though really it's like i mean it's just it's tv yeah
0: (laughs) and that's i think that's the key is that i i wouldn't say so much like oh people don't want to think for themselves uh not to i mean no no no, no you said that in a much more like normal way than uh people on the internet would accuse others of doing like you know it's it's, it's a popular sure. thought, but my point is I, you don't have to, like, have a deep opinion about a show or, or a movie. You can just be like, oh, this is the thing no, I put on. I no. watched watch The Cool Lady with the Dragons, and she, she burns stuff up. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, I'm, and I, like, that, again, that sounds very condescending. I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm saying we t- do a podcast where we talk not about Not
1: everyone and- puts 100% <laughs> of their own personal, like, self yes. onto yeah. onto Pieces of pop culture. We, we are weirdos, and we do <laughs> but, not. Every but not everyone does that. Some yes. people actually live lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and, and I, I guess
2: my criticism is is not that people criticize the show without more knowledge of the source material, but rather I, I think some people just sort of got on the on on a negative bandwagon, sure. a, a bandwagon of criticizing the thing without ever having really like is this wait am i am i really bothered by this like or is it just kind of like because i have a life and i have so many other things going on like oh yeah game of thrones oh that ending was terrible it was so bad right anyway Which, there, you know i gotta go it's it's sundays are lake days you know i gotta go <laughs> out to the take the boat out i mean i wish but uh it, it just became a whole a whole different uh situation um i will say uh talking of the wall um I actually really, really enjoyed the wall in this, these five episodes because we had a lot of Shireen time. And I really liked Shireen in this space. I liked the scene with her and St- uh, Stan, when Stannis gives the, her little backstory about grayscale, because I guess grayscale is going to become important <laughs> and how he, I, I like that. Solis has just like, just not, we don't like her, <laughs> but Stannis is like, no, but I do love my daughter. And like, I'm, I am going to protect her, and, you know, I, I am going to stand up for her. Uh, but you also have Gilly learning to read, which is my other favorite movie after Davos learning to read. <laughs> the but there's, it's But it might be my favorite joke in these five episodes. She's, she's learning to read, and she's looking at the letter S, and Shireen is like, you know this. It looks like an animal. What is it? And uh, Gilly goes, Sna- snakes. A- S, S, it's an S. And she's so happy. And then Sam from like over in the corner goes, did you know that the Lord awful Yarwick? I know that's a care. And he's not the Lord commander, Lord commander, whatever killed like nine centaurs a hundred years ago. And did you know about this, this whole, you know, esoteric history and Gilly just looks so crestfallen. And she goes, I know S <laughs> and it's like the sweetest, funniest. I it was so good. Um, but then when, like, they're at the end of the fifth episode when the, the Dragonstone guys are, are all leaving and Davos has that sweet thing with Shireen about, like, I am scared. You got to protect me in the, in the big fight. She turned, Shireen turns and looks at Sam and Gilly, and Gilly gives his little, like, two-finger wave. And I was like, you're all friends. <laughs> I like that you're friends and I like this. Um, I'm trying to look over other, like, uh, I wrote that Roos is Tywin Jr., Little bit. Uh, which I, I think that kind of we, Brienne gives a, her whole backstory involving Renly, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, that that went a long way in like retroactively making like Renly making me like. I was like, oh, Renly was also like a good dude. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I I think we got the, uh, the 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 vibe of him sometime that he was just like, you just like a good time Charlie. You yeah. know, just like whatever. I like kissing boys and getting toys, but. But you, you have this whole backstory where it's like, no, he was also, like, well, a good person who, like, wanted to do the right thing and be nice to people.
0: And I like that they established that because of that, Brienne just really respected him. Like, she's like, no, I didn't, like, yeah. I, I know that he was not interested in me. That's not, it's not what yeah, I that's just, not what that I was. I, I, like, it was very meaningful to me that he stepped in and helped me, and I wanted to return yeah. the favor. And so. Yeah, and, know, like, I realized this is a
2: person worth, like, worth putting my faith in. Um, there's a lot of good stuff there I was it is so like physically painful for me to watch these scenes where they're, where she and pod are so close to Littlefinger and Sansa even <laughs> after they've talked and and like that's all been confronted. I'm like, Brian, you could kill them all so easy. <laughs> <laughs> like this is so, just please pod is so good at stabbing people in the back of the head <laughs> just like give him a spear.
1: Get, the Hound oh and Arya
2: would not put up with such incompetence. <laughs> no, I'm. I was, I was so upset. Um, hey, well, t- let's talk about Arya. Arya's hey. hanging out with her murder uncle, um, in in <laughs> Braavos. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Uncle
0: Jackin!
1: Uh,
2: pretty
0: cool. <laughs> this is these episodes. Yeah. the uh, Small small point here. Uh, we we've talked about how the the show kind of has a not so much like a bias against, but a a sort of blindness to. Having more diverse a more diverse cast, um, we mentioned that there yeah. are characters like we you know obviously Masanda and Grey Worm do get a lot of screen time and a lot of like relationship building, yeah. but um, the show tends to not really like introduce new characters who could be part of that. <laughs> the show twice once it has uh, when Arya gets to the house of white and black uh, black and white black and white uh, black, and black and white there is a man who comes out um, and he's a black man. And he's or is like having a conversation with him and trying to get him to let him into the or let her into the building so that she can begin her assassin training or whatever. And uh, he's like, no, 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 I don't want you. And then he sees her again in the street, and uh, he he's obviously intimidating and traces off a bunch of guys because they recognize what he's what his deal is. Um, and then he tears off his face, and it's Jockin, and it's like he could have just could you have just had that guy be yeah. a new character? I mean, I know, I, I know we like to revisit characters, but you had a chance to introduce. He was fun. They they had some good little chemistry. There was a little bit of banter uh, when when she first walks into yeah. the house. It would have been nice. I'm just saying. It, I thought that was also funny.
2: maybe don't have the white character wear the face of a black person. Yeah, it's, I know it's called the House of Black and White, but I don't think that's what he meant.
0: It's not. <laughs> It's not like yeah. wrong, but it also doesn't feel right. <laughs> yeah, it's a little. Uh, I just thought I thought that
2: was. Um, um, I, I, w- no, I do no, wish
0: I, I do yeah. think it would have been nice if they if they'd kept that actor. I, I wish that they had taken at that opportunity. But,
2: what do but you just do? to like build out that that little scene. Well, I will say though, the fa- I wrote that the faceless men are hipsters. Um, sure, because there's a lot of of her being like, hey, so Jockin, like, what do I need to do? And he's like, a girl does not know. She's like, no, you won't tell me. A girl has not been told? <laughs> and it's just this like nonsense hipster thing of like, oh, I like this band. Uh, who is this? You don't know them? No, who are they? So you've never heard of them? No, I don't. Well, I don't think you're ready to have known about them. <laughs> I don't. Just tell me the name of the thing with your wispy hair I, and your stupid sweater. Yeah, that's.
0: Oh, go ahead, Tyler. I was going to say, I definitely think the, the way the, the girl that. uh Aria begins an antagonistic relationship with. Uh, I definitely think she yeah. could have just like stepped out of the the Cast of Scott program or something. Like she's got kind of a very <laughs> oh like...
2: yeah she she had major uh, record store vibes, yes. <laughs> big big
1: time. Yeah, I, I feel a lot, of, a lot of drip coffee in that lady's uh, <laughs> life. Drip coffee, whatever they drink. Sure. I I feel like that subplot has been a little needlessly extended, like needle less. Oh, oh. Like, um, because it is kind of that thing where it's like, well, how much of it is Arya is supposed to learn some of this stuff for herself? It's the, the kind of wax on wax off methodology yeah. to, for her to learn things and how much of it is, oh, you guys don't want to push this story forward too fast. So you're just going to kind of, you know, jerk us around and not really give us a straight answer. Cause it's like when she gets turned away at first, it's like, okay, that's a neat subversion. Okay. I wasn't expecting that. Um, so she just kind of goes wandering the city and then she comes across these thugs is the idea that the only reason they accept her into the, you know, starting her training because she's willing to stand up to those guys and like threatens to kill them. Like I don't, Yeah. It, it, was that all a test I guess is the question or was it just sloppy writing? Sure. I had that thought too. I think, I think it,
0: you could argue
1: either way, and there's not
0: like strong evidence that, like it's it's hard to argue against it being
1: just like I don't know we're we're, we're padding this out a little bit, right? Um, so, I don't well, know. it's just also just annoying because like she, she, they just repeat beats like the, she she's like oh oh I, I I can't believe I wasted all my time coming here she's got the coin and then she just flips it into the water and then the you know he ends up giving it back to her and he's like you you lost this. And then an episode later, she's being forced to, like, get rid of her her previous Mm. Arya uniform and stuff. And then she just throws the coin in the water again. I'm like, (laughs) we're repeating (laughs) the (laughs) same beat. She just comes back like, no, 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 not this part. We've told you this. Keep the coin. (laughs) I I do like how the the one thing that is, like, she will not get rid of is Needle. Like, that's the one part of her life that keeps her connected to Arya Stark that she will not get rid of. Um, Maybe, maybe that sounds just in terms of, of, of writing the script. Maybe that seems like an easy choice. I like it.
0: (laughs) Well, and just, and no, I I felt the same way talking about visual uh, language. You you know, you don't have to have her say, Oh, well, I don't like have someone bounce sounding board be like, Oh, well, I don't know if I want to keep needle. And like, that is a, a, or I guess the better point is that is a metaphor for the fact that she's still clinging to Arya Stark. And she doesn't yeah. have to have a conversation with like a someone that she's close to. She who she's like, oh well, you know, I don't know if I can let go. I don't even, like, sh- we don't even know how conflicted she is right now. But we know that like she has not let go of this life the way they want her to, and that's that's a really good yeah. uh, t- symbol for that.
2: Right. Absolutely. Well, I guess the other major thing in this this is Dorn. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah, I think, I, I, I think I, I Dorne like, and King's I like Jamie Landing and Braun, yeah. are kind of the big things that we haven't really covered yet.
2: Yeah, I, I liked the, the stuff in Dorne. I liked in uh, when Jamie and Braun see the soldiers. I like how Braun just stands up and he's like, Yep, we're here. Hey, how are you? <laughs> and I really liked the duel that Jamie has with the one soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, where he realizes that he like he catches the sword in his gold hand and there's that clank and he's like Oh. <laughs> yep. And then he just stabs him. That was awesome. Um also the sand snakes. We we get to meet the sand snakes. One of whom is played by Academy Award nominee Keisha Castle-Hughes, <laughs> who was nominated when she was like 11 for a movie called Whale Rider.
1: Hmm. Well, the other uh, one was um one of them's from uh she's at least from uh Iron Fist and the Marvel Netflix shows. Gotcha. And I think she also has a small part in Force Awakens. Let me look her up real quick. Which
2: sense? Okay. Kishikawa is the one who throws the spear in the the guy's head at the end of that scene.
1: Yeah, it's uh, uh, Jessica Henwick. Oh, okay. Interesting. And she is like the best character from Iron Fist. I know that's a low bar. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I find that funny that both her and uh, Finn Jones are in this show. (laughs) Right, right. Um,
2: yeah, I also liked, uh, we get to see Duran mm-hmm. Martell, played by Alexander Siddig, from Star Trek. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming we will see more of these characters in the next few episodes, and
1: this is just kind
2: of their, their little preview.
1: Yeah, I, um, I, I did want to ask the question to both of you about how Dorn is kind of handled in the books. And maybe I'm speaking a little too far ahead, because I know all that's done with Dorn on the show. It feels very small. And it feels yeah. like there's not all, it feels like there's a single city and a beach. Yeah.
0: That is,
3: uh,
0: as far as what we've seen, that is most of it. It's supposed to be like the entire, like this bar of country on the south, the very southern part of Westeros. So like the, the foot okay. of Westeros is supposed to be Dorne. Um, right. And it is supposed to be like a desert country. Uh, I We've probably seen some more cities in uh, Dorne. Um yeah, we probably. we will see Old Town later on. Old Town is not in Dorne, but mm. it's like on the opposite side of the country from Sunspear and kind of the same general area. Um, but yeah, it's I don't think we see much more of it. Uh, and this again goes back to the fact that like they don't know what George wants to do with Dorne. <laughs> it's like
2: right, uh, well, because yeah. so much so much of the Dorne stuff in the books has been introduction or wheel spinning. So it's okay. hard to say, like, well, we need to introduce this location or this character because we know this big thing happens with them in the books. There's a lot of like,
1: I mean, I, uh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's just kind of frustrating because when Alaria is talking to Oberyn's brother and is like, "You're a coward. You're not willing to do anything." We have an army. We can fight them. And it's like, I don't, I don't actually have a sense of how large your army is, yeah. or sure. just how what yeah. the population is of, of of Dorne. Like, I don't. I don't know. Like we we really only had like three locations, one of which is a desert, the other of which is like beach, yep. and the other is like the the small little palace area where Oberon's brother is. And I don't yeah. think we really expanded much more than that. Which
2: I mean, yeah. And I like the the characters they've in, they've introduced, and I want to see them more. Yeah. But it it still doesn't feel very like lived in yeah. the way the rest of it.
1: Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, I I do recognize they're, just, you know, they're stuck in a, a tough spot. Particularly if like moving forward, maybe they want to do more stuff with Dorn, but they don't want to kind of trip over themselves in terms of setting up things right. that don't get paid off. Yeah. Like I, I get all that, but I think ultimately when I'm looking at the show in hindsight, that is that's kind of my issue with Dorn. It's just it doesn't feel flushed out enough. Sure, sure. And but. that's the thing that like no, I I get that
0: the, the Dorn is. And more for stuff that I think happens in the near future like in the next set of episodes um, Dorn is like one of the the most maligned storylines I think overall right. th- that people have about the show like they everyone says oh they, they they completely botched it and there's really not much screen time for it it's like if that's the thing yeah. that ruined the show I don't did you yeah. watch the rest of the show <laughs> like there can be yeah. other problems and, and but the... it's it's so like it really does not show up that much i think beyond this this season um if right I'm not and, and it's
2: and it's not like like i said it's not like there was that much in the books aside from introductions yep. and wheel spinning yep. so it's like eh. i mean there is stuff in the books i not get me wrong but it's not yeah i don't know i think it's uh, yeah um i before i forget stannis has a great joke when one of the brothers is like and then the Wildlands will be behind the wall, and that'll be less uh, enemies for us. And Stannis goes, <laughs> and Davos is like, what? Stannis goes, nothing. <laughs> but I love that. I love that, like, at this point, Stannis is such a familiar character to the writers in the audience. I like that they can find these little moments of comedy
1: with him, <laughs> that well, he's, like, that big of a stickler. Well, remind me, like, we're, that's a. that's a payoff to a setup that happens, like, two seasons ago, right?
0: yeah or i mean it's a it's a recurring right. is a joke that happened at some point I forget who he said it to um but it it did come up earlier
2: yeah he's he's it's very fun yeah um, I felt weird about there being a Tommen post coital scene sure um, and i know it was very it was very chaste it was not a graphic scene at all, but I was just like it is a weird knowing that this is the thing that happened yeah but I actually really. They did they do a really good job of juxtaposing him and Joffrey because I really felt for Tommen mm-hmm. during all of this. Because he's just like a genuinely sweet, innocent boy who's being played by everybody. Yeah. And like Marjorie is manipulating him. Admittedly, Marjorie, I don't think, wants to hurt Tommen at yeah. all. She's just like. She. I can use you to get power and comfort for my family. Yeah. But she's not like trying to hurt him. She does start to like
0: push like cause now that she's sort of gotten a victory over Cersei and she's, she's married and everything yeah, the she, way she trolls Cersei <laughs> yeah. it's just like you, yeah. you're asking for trouble <laughs> it's not gonna go well um, and then uh, also like she starts guilting Tommen into being like why can't you set Loras free like
1: you know you're the king you should be able to do I, this I love that whole set of scenes where she's just like go free him and he's like I will go free him <laughs> and then he goes to Cersei and he's like Free him. And she's like, it's not my fault. And then he, he goes, and, and, they're, and uh, the, the High Septons guys are like, oh, he's praying. He can't, he can't come in. And he's like, what do I do? I don't want violence.
2: Yeah. It's like, the, it's like uh, in Nightmare Before Christmas,
1: I'm only an
2: elected official. I can't make decisions by myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just, he's just like a nice boy, yes. and everyone's just like tossing him around.
0: Same with a same with Mace Tyrell to a lesser extent. We we see him a little <laughs> bit more, and then like he's just getting completely yeah. like he doesn't deserve yeah. these people. He's just a
2: a fun old buffoon. He just he's so there's such funny like blowhard stuff where he's like, "Yo, Grace, if if someone needs to be the hand of the king, I'll do it." He never gets to fully stand up before Cersei's like, "No, don't do yeah. that. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> And about going to the Iron Bank, and he's she's like, we'll send some people with you. And he's like, I'll have my own escort. <laughs> I see. I'm a very important boy. <laughs> oh, that's good.
1: He's I great. D- I do like how we immediately get back into the politics of of King's Landing. And that's that's the stuff I really yeah. latch onto on to in yeah. this show. I really like how, you know, l- like I said, I the fact that they don't play it up enough, but I really like that Cersei's like... Oh God, my father's dead. He was really the only thing that was protecting us from the outside world. I need to do something about this. And then her going to to um Jonathan Price. I every scene with him is great. They just the way they're able to pull in all these actors that are just scene stealers, but mm-hmm. like yeah. they're acting against other scene stealers. Like it's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um But I, I love everything with with just like empowering these religious zealots (laughs) Mm -hmm. and thinking her her thinking that she has control over them and and like i i don't know i i I loved all of it um and just like getting down back down on the ground of king's landing and just seeing people react to to what's going on Mm
0: -hmm. i like that uh you you get the crowd that has been kind of whipped up by the um faith militant screaming at yep. at Tommen like oh you're you're an abomination you're not the true king and like yeah. they've kind of turned against him obviously yep. Marjorie hasn't had much time to do some like uh, public uh you know opinion shifting and yeah. getting out there to try Listen and PR yeah PR that's the word i'm looking for um and uh yeah it's it's neat and it's it's also i think the show has a really fascinating uh sense of entropy <laughs> in the sense that As characters die, you can't just replace them. Like you can't just have someone pop in who's like the same person. And they the show for the most part does not try to convince you that like there's a new person who is now like they're filling that role because like Tywin's gone. Like you can't the next Tywin is has to grow through forty years of war (laughs) in order to develop to the point that you could put him in that same position. Like there you can't just pop somebody in there who does the same thing. And you've got the High Sparrow who's interesting and he he has. Some similar qualities, maybe, but he he is different, and he they they never yeah. really try to just catch that lightning in a bottle again. They always try to introduce a new person, element, factor, um, and so like King's Landing in this season, I think, is very somber and empty, and you you know you don't have the the heyday of everyone clashing and uh, all these different reposts and dialogue battles and all these yeah uh, these intellectual conflicts now it's just like you've got a few players and they're trying their hardest to like rip everyone mm. away from each other because tywin has left such a power vacuum and none of them are really as good at, the, at this as tywin was um and it's it's just really interesting and it, it i like how the mood in king's landing changes literally every season um yep.
2: yeah
1: it's it's always fascinating to watch absolutely the High Septon, uh, that, that scene where he's, uh, pulled out of Littlefinger's brothel, that was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, a Yeah, uh, more something. like
2: Sexton, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, noted that Winterfell looks so different now, and I, like, I like that it's shot differently, like, now it looks very foreboding mm-hmm. and evil, and that's not, like,
1: I like all of that, which um, which actually works in story. It's not just a, a, like a yeah. continuity error or anything like that. It's like no, no, no. They, they burned it to the ground, and now they or you know what I mean. They they damaged yeah, it yeah. greatly when they took out Theon and his men, and now they are starting to rebuild it in the image of the Boltons. Yep. Yeah, and that it's it's
2: it is a dangerous place now. It's not right. Um, and and I did note that they keep talking about Maester Walken. <laughs> They keep being. Uh, Roose and uh, Ramsey are like. Well, I talked to Maester Walken, and I was like, "Whoa, wait, wait, wait. like Christopher." <laughs> I went to the Citadel. Milk of the poppy. You see, the thing is, she's pregnant. <laughs> the mountain, but a zombie. It's crazy. <laughs> I did like. There's a bit where Kyburn is doing some experiments, and behind him you just see a, a corpse like shake a lot. Kyburn's <laughs> like. Hang on, just a minute. <laughs> like, be patient. I don't remember what spurned
0: this, but I have a note uh, that just says, "Get you a man who loves you as much as Kyburn loves loose body parts." I don't. I don't remember what that was like in response to, but it could probably apply to several
1: situations. Um, I think that most, could apply yeah, to yeah. literally every scene that man is in. <laughs>
2: I like all the stuff with him and Pycelle, because Pycelle just keeps being like, But he's a terrible... Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just keeps, like, shaking and huffing at him. Um, I also noted how Jon, like, jilting Melisandre was somehow very satisfying to mm-hmm. me. Watching him just be like, No, I don't want that. Yeah. I'm in love with somebody else. Well, and then it's just she's nice. like, You know nothing, Jon Snow.
1: Oh, <laughs> It's she nice because, thing. like, we've shown that she is, like a manipulating force that is not to be messed with yeah. like every time some she tempts somebody or like she always gets her way. Right. So it's just nice that he's able to just be like nope, can't yep. do it, sorry. Yeah. It's is just this nice moment of and I think Ross she's
2: also like oh, John might be a little more than I expected, like okay. This guy's got something. Looks like She's all fire, but can't seem to burn him. That didn't work the way I wanted it to. <laughs> Close enough. Um
0: Yeah, and also talking about uh John interacting with Stannis's crew. Um I really like how lucid some of the conversations John and Stannis have are. Like they're just very straightforward yeah. in terms of breaking down their positions. They're they're not trying to posture. Neither of these guys are are very uh you know, flowery and their, their communication, their right. no nonsense. And they're just explaining like, all right, well, we got the wildlings here. That's a problem. Got to figure out what to do with them. You can't convince man's raider. He's a, yeah. uh, you know, he, the only reason he united them is because he would refuse to kneel to you. So like, that's not going to work. And there's just, they're very decisive and they explain their positions yeah. very well. Um, and I really like the uh, little bit of stuff that we get between Davos and Jon because you can definitely tell there's a bit of yeah. of realizing between each other that those are they're both they're both good ones. <laughs> um, yeah, St- Stannis would not get anywhere without Davos, <laughs> and <laughs> I I talked about the how Stannis is like I did it I killed the kings uh, after uh, <laughs> Joffrey and, and Rob die. Um, I feel like that I start to get that sense more and more when Davos is like convincing the iron bank or trying to convince john to join him uh
2: it's like you Davos is doing all of this for you like it's not. yeah <laughs> um absolutely and i i i like that stannis is like one of the few people to take the white walker thing seriously he's like oh there's white walkers we should do something yeah. about that <laughs> and not just like what rouss I don't believe they exist, and then a White Walker like eats him or something. <laughs> I like that he's just like, no, that's a problem. So let's solve the problem. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm with you, John, Like, I don't want there to be White Walkers, but I also need to take the North while I'm here. Do you want to help me because they did bad stuff to your family? Yeah. <laughs> like, like you said, it's all just very direct. Which is as much as I enjoyed all of the politicking and with like Varys and uh, uh, Olenna in King's Landing. It's nice to have some conversations that are much more broken. Just. Broken down, like okay, but this is the problem. Mm-hmm. I like that.
0: Also, speaking of John, um, Eamon, I, I joked back in season one that Hogwarts, uh, or sorry, the Ni- <laughs> Castle Black is very much like a mean Hogwarts um, in many yeah. ways. Eamon pulls some, and for standing up to his friends uh, in times of trouble, <laughs> ten points to Gryffindor. Like he, he, he yep. is the deciding vote that makes John the Lord Commander of the uh-huh. Night's Watch, and it's like.
2: Aemon is such a great character. Yes. There's this wonderful scene where he and Sam are talking about him being—he's like so Aemon is something about like a Targaryen left isolated and alone. And immediately after he says that, John walks into the room, mm-hmm. and I was like, "I get it, I get it." <laughs> There's also yeah, one of these episodes has
0: um, you were talking about the increased Rhaegar talk, the the Rhaegar yeah. radar, um, Littlefinger. <laughs> Littlefinger explains to Sansa the the tourney where Rhaegar first uh, gave Lyanna the flowers, whatever the yeah. tourney honorific. Right. Um, and then in that same episode, you have ne- uh, Stannis talking about how Ned would never uh, like go into a brothel. Like he wouldn't have just had John with some random yeah. uh, prostitute or something like that. And that's neat. <laughs> It's something something when to then, think and, about. Something to chew on.
2: And then there's a, a bit later where Barristan's talking about, like, hey, Rhaegar was actually great. You know, because we, we've been hearing all these people in Westeros being like, Rhaegar, he, he captured her and he violated her and he was a monster and Targaryens are monsters. And Barristan's like, he was a really great dude. He liked to sing. He would just, like, go bust. <laughs> and, like, just, like, hey, you know, he, he was the good side of the coin. Uh. Um, which I thought was lovely Mm -hmm. because I like hearing people talk about people being nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: One other big thing that we haven't touched on that I, I struck me a lot watching these episodes. um, They really up the production value. I think in these, Mm. in the season, I mean, I think every season gets like an increasingly better budget, I guess. uh, And probably they get better at using it. Um but there are a lot of backgrounds and sets that look really cool and are big and yeah. epic uh obviously we've got bravos uh which we saw last season as well,
1: but now we May- yeah you know maybe that's my problem with Dorn sure. To- to a certain degree is like we're, we're i feel like we've expanded the budget and we've got all these these wonderful just like long shots of, of cityscapes and like most of it's digital but it's it looks yeah. really good and a lot of bravos and, and and king's landing like it just looks marine big. um the the harpy toppling at the beginning i think it's in the first episode yes yeah looks yes. good looks very cool and then and then cut to dorn and it's like it's a beach <laughs>
0: Well, I do think there, there's a good shot of the water gardens in there. That's, that's pretty like, yeah, it's quite pretty big in scope and looks yeah. cool. It's lush. Um, it's also a garden. Sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um,
0: it does but feel where's, like, where's, like a garden. where's my city. <laughs> it does feel like we should have like a big, you know, sort of a Seattle space needle type structure going on. Like we should have a big, <laughs> a big tower maybe or something to, to really bring the whole room together. Uh,
2: in 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 the opening, they have a big tower with a snake wrapping around it. Oh, in the in like the in in the theme, yeah. 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 Huh. And what the snake that? opens his mouth, and he's like, "Welcome to Game of Thrones." <laughs> they really messed with the intro in the in the season. <laughs> they thing. did. It became this weird like tales from the crypt thing. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he <laughs> was like more like Game of Bones. <laughs>
0: um, the I was gonna say also. <laughs> we see a little bit of Castle Stokeworth, which is like completely not a, a place that needs to be important um, or anything, but you've got Braun and Selyse talking. No, not Selyse
2: L- lawless. Oh, lawless. <laughs> that
0: would yeah. be very strange. Um, you got Braun and lawless uh, <laughs> hanging out in outside, like in the, on kind of the grounds of this castle. And you see a couple shots that are big, wide, cool looking shots. I don't know if it's, yeah. I think they use a mix of like paintings and digital effects and, um, obviously there are some really great sets on this show. I'm more talking about the, the backgrounds in this case, but there's some really cool stuff. And I, I think it, it definitely shows there, there's several moments where you're just like, Oh wow. Yeah. That looks, that looks pretty good. Um, It, it makes it feel yeah. a little bit grander.
2: Yeah. That's a funny scene. They're watching their DVD of lawless starring Tom Hardy. Sure. Um, and, but like I, I wrote a note that said, Haha, women be talking about, Bronn's wife, because it's just, it's just this moment of her being like, and I want to have a big castle, and you know, my dad said this and, da, 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 and I'd like to talk and Bronn's like, that sounds crazy, and just skipping rocks <laughs> and I was like, huh, marriage am I right, fellas? <laughs> Come on um,
0: this is One other, I think the only other big through line I noticed is that I think that Tyrion actually has a has a lot of fun stuff going on in these episodes, because yeah. he's constantly bouncing off against Varys and uh, Jorah. And I think yeah. there's some really funny dialogue in there. Um, I, I think they get they get some good mileage out of him just being incredibly drunk for the first, like, three episodes. Um, yes. There's, ooh, what were some of the lines? Um, Varys tells him that there are faster ways to kill himself, and he says, not for a coward. It's um, <laughs> <that's> pretty good. <laughs> I think the best one was... Uh, Tyrion is like, Oh, there's a there's a bug in my drink and then Varys says, You must be careful, you might accidentally consume some solid food. Uh and that's that's wonderful. Um
2: and there's just a ton of great yeah. back and forth like that. And then obviously when yeah, you see... like I I need Tyrion's like I need to see someone's face other than yours, and Varys goes It's a nice face. <laughs> <laughs>
0: i think Tyrion said i don't know if it's in that exact conversation but at some point he says i need to see someone with who's not bald someone with hair uh, <laughs> and and there's just a lot of fun uh, antagonism there that i quite enjoyed
2: there's a beautiful shot where Tyrion sees drogon mm-hmm. when he and uh that's just it's beautiful of drogon but like dinklage plays that so well this moment of like oh oh wow that's a, dr- I'm, lo- that's a dr- I'm looking at a dragon yeah. Yeah, that's very cool, and then the, and in that
0: shot, it's great because immediately you can see behind them in the corner, uh, the one of the stone men jumps off a ledge. Yeah, um, it's quite spooky and neat. Hmm. Um. Also, speaking of Drogon, D- name names confirmed. Uh, I think they mentioned yeah. Drogon in the last set of episodes we talked about. Yeah, I think, so. but we yeah. fo- we get the first confirmation of uh, Rhaegal and Viserion, and it, it is yeah. they they don't seem to explain. As far as I'm aware, I don't think they come back to that and like explain where those names came from, uh, which you I think know, it's a shame. I think they should have tried to, f- to find a way to work that in there because um, you wouldn't think it would be that difficult to do. And I don't know why they waited yeah. this long to do it if it wasn't... I mean, part of it is probably because the names uh, all sound like names of other characters, and that's confusing. <laughs> um, so maybe that's sure. difficult to work in exactly. But especially by this point, uh, it feels like at some point they should... Maybe at the beginning of the season, they should explain. You know, maybe Daenerys is thinking wistfully of the fact that she has to lock her dragons up and she has a sounding board with Barrison or something. I did have
2: a. Oh, go ahead, Britt. I I named them for my brother, and, you know, we couldn't put him in chains either or something like that. No, I was going
0: to say uh, you you could have them talk about Rhaegar and then her be like, you know, I named one of my dragons after him, Rhaegar. Right, right. Yeah, 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 Probably better dialogue, but <laughs> I think the point stands.
1: I did have one observation. Um, I think Arya's uh, list of, of people she wants to kill, uh, Ill Payne, has mysteriously yeah. disappeared from that list. <laughs> it's almost like the actor is no longer on the show, so just forget about it. No. Yeah. Did we,
0: do you remember me? I think I explained why he left the show.
1: No, no, yeah, we, we established that that actor does leave the show, but I find that interesting that they, that kind of bothered me, that it's just like, eh, she sure. forgot.
0: Well, it is, but also, like, I think it's out of respect for the fact that, like, the man was sick and <laughs> had to, like, we we don't want to have her wishing this man death yeah. while he is trying to fight cancer. I, <laughs> I think that's probably where that came from. Um, which, I think in that case, maybe you could argue Try and recast him and have him pop up in a scene so that you can establish. Maybe he'll die later. Um, yeah, but it is what it is.
2: Yeah, I did notice that that her, her list is now four names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know,
1: yeah, it's a it's a solid it, it, set it, of episodes. Uh, yeah, I, I like the sons of the harpy. I find them very creepy. They, they look great. Yeah, they looked dope. Yeah. That that scene where the uh, the one unsullied is just trying to lay down with a lady, and um, they slit his throat—shocking. Uh, speaking of,
0: of throat slices, Grey Worm gets a gets a a sick kill on one of those one of those harpies uh, in that fight. I forget. I don't even know exactly what he did. I think like the the harpy is trying to like put a knife around, or he puts. I I don't even. I could not really tell exactly what happened. I just knew it yeah. was cool.
2: <laughs> you know, there there are several moments in that fight where Grey Worm is fending them all off and then he's about to go down, but then Barristan shows up yep. and the music has this like great cue and it's like,
1: Oh yep. boy,
2: here it comes And then Barrison just starts like messing him up. Which just like taking yep. him down. It's so good. I think it that's was a, good... singing a song. He's
0: <laughs> <As> a <laughs> painter. Um I think uh that's a oh, good
2: yeah.
0: uh topic to end on is now that is something that I think is at least more arguable in terms of a thing that a change from the book, because uh, Barrison is still alive as of this time in the books and people were upset about that. And the actor was upset about that. Uh, the actor did not want to go and thought that it was a, it was a shame. And I think he is a huge fan of the books as well. Yeah. Um, and probably, I want to say maybe he's met, I mean, I'm sure they've all met George R. Martin, but I think like maybe he'd had a lot of conversations with George about this or something um, or about his character. But yeah, uh, I know that was controversial, is is him going out. Um, But I think especially on a rewatch, it really places everything in the right context in terms of, like, where this leaves Daenerys and the fact that she's lost a a very important... She's lost both her main advisors, and now she's listening to this random sellsword guy and her handmaiden who has no, like political or military. Yeah, who's experience.
2: like smart and Who, and is good, yes. but also like you need you need other voices. Who
0: is almost a better influence than most of her other advisors because she's oh. like actually, you know, has a heart, <laughs> is is a nice person. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, I think that it works pretty well looking back on it and and experiencing the whole show up to this point like it it's a good kind of shocking, spurring death to keep the the plot moving forward he gets a great like he murders you know 15 dudes uh and and yeah. he and gray worm both like take out a, a hallway full of them um i know a lot of people complained about the insullied not being able to fight off the harpies as well uh i would i would mm-hmm. take issue with that because there are just like a lot of harpies and they fight in close quarters with daggers and not like yeah they're not fighting long speed. armies <laughs> like they're they're not yeah it's not a yeah. battle it's it's assassins um
2: yeah uh, yeah i i I thought that they did a good job with the choreography in that scene where i was like i don't feel like the unsullied suddenly became weak i think that they're just harpies had like home field advantage yeah yeah they got jumped i I think they (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah exactly like and there were so many more of them yes (laughs) yeah and also look when your army is a playful tank top (laughs) when your armor i mean is a playful (laughs) tank top like you need more. You need you need a, some kind of jerkin, I don't a, know. A playful tank top on Army Hammer? That... <laughs> well, we should all be so lucky. <laughs> but... <laughs> call
0: back to an earlier episode.
1: Pretty good. We got we
0: got inside jokes, right, audience? Look at that.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. We're and looking then... at you, Sheboygan Wisconsin. <laughs>
2: Uh huh. <laughs> Must have been from the Transformers episodes. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. <laughs> I don't know if I have any other thoughts. I want. I did want to explain because I, I, I feel it's important for me to establish how cool this throat slice gray worm does. Because <laughs> I think it's something where like he's got his knife or, or the something is in front of this guy's throat. And he, I think he grabs the flat edge of the knife, like the back, like maybe it's like a, like it's only sharp on one side. And I think he grabs the right. other side and like shoves it. It's something, it's something I think, dope. Yeah, I don't know yeah, like yeah. how exactly it worked. I can't remember now, but it was, it was good stuff. No, I, I know what you're talking
2: about. Yeah. Got, great. My, my notes about Grey Worm have been, Grey Worm is dope. Grey <laughs> Worm is so dope. <laughs> like it just gets like increasingly more capital letters as I just talk about how much I like Grey yep. Worm. And I liked his whole thing with Masande about like I wasn't scared cuz I felt pain. I was scared cuz I might not see you again. Mm. And I was like, "Oh, dayworm." <laughs> yes, I want you to double date with Sam and Gilly.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, good stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, any other Alex, do you have any other major things? Any notes? Nope, that's all I got. Uh, uh fairly clunky at the beginning, but I think it kind of straightens itself out and I'm 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 liking this season, so. Yeah, and I'm and I'm uh, I I am familiar with Game of Thrones having like I
2: think they willfully make their early episodes like okay let's just kind of get everybody set yeah. right let's just kind of introduce stuff we're not gonna hurl a bunch of stuff at you except gonna, for season you know, four <laughs> sure except <laughs> for season four certainly certainly
0: yeah and <laughs> I think the difference between something like this and season two is that season two there was a lot of stuff that we were actively. Uh, sort of just uh repulsed by it with how much sure. they they really dig into the the sex aspect of the yeah, yeah, the yeah. Game of Thrones reputation and it's like this is uh a little much friends um yeah. and i think this feels a lot more just like it's not it's not obviously season 4 i don't even think it's really quite up to season 3 caliber um sure. but I mean, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to do that yeah, every still time. Yeah, um, And I think, like, I would say this is comparable to how I felt after watching season one. Like,
3: man, this is
0: good. The, the first half of season yeah. one, I should say. Yeah. It's just, like, quality episodes.
2: Quality content. Right. I would agree. So, uh, I have a very timely recommendation this week. Because um, it is a movie from this year. From <laughs> sure. 2020. year Year of our Lord. Um, it is Spike Lee's newest movie, Five Bloods*. This is a Netflix original movie, um, and it so so a couple of qualifiers about this movie. It's two and a half hours long. Um, it is very much an auteurs. It's it's about these these four men, Vietnam veterans, who go back to Vietnam to exhume the remains of their fallen squad leader but also to uncover this stash of like millions and millions of dollars of worth of gold bricks that they found when they were in service during the war and are going back to uncover and obviously things don't go the the way they planned so it, it is a very political movie uh spike lee is someone who is very unflinching both in terms of very very good lovely things happen in his movies but very upsetting things happen to, and there's really visceral violence in it. Um, I would rec- I would kind of hearken it to uh, Bone Tomahawk, where it's like mostly the movie is really great actors having really great chemistry, but then there's also, but then there'll be a moment of just horrendous violence. So like, do your research, and and really the movie opens with a, a montage of documentary footage and news footage, some of which depicts like. It's footage of actual like killing and war violence, which is a, a very you know intense way to start a movie. It has a lot to say about politics. Then a lot about politics now, about very very many things. Read up on it. I think Odie Henderson wrote a great review on RogerEbert.com that is one of the things that spurred me on to watch it, where he broke down so many symbols and the movie, uh, critiques of other Vietnam movies and celebrations of other movies. Like, it's such a... There's so much happening in it. Um, It is very much an auteur movie. It is a very violent movie at times, but a really beautiful movie. Um, But the other thing I want to really make clear about this movie is Delroy Lindo, the lead, should probably win an Oscar (laughs) or at the very least get nominated. It's the best acting I've seen in a while. Um, He's... Like, he, 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 his portrayal of PTSD and just, I, mean, I don't know, just the, 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 the layers and layers and layers of that character, he, he I don't know, it's amazing work. You've also got Clark Peters, who is so beautiful in that. He was on The Wire and a bunch of other stuff. He's wonderful in it. Jonathan Majors from The Last Black Man in San Francisco hmm. is in it. Um, he's really great. Isaiah Whitlock Jr., who we've all seen in A Million Things, he's really great. Broadway's Norm Lewis, who I've been listening to since I was 15, uh, is in it, and he's really good. Uh, Jean Renault pops in. Uh, but the other thing that makes this very timely is that their squad leader uh, is played by Chadwick Boseman. And Chadwick Boseman, obviously, we are. this episode is coming out a little bit late because of our recording schedule. But as of recording this, we're less than a week out of Chadwick Boseman's passing away. And... I've been wanting to watch the movie, and and that coupled with the review I read made me go, all right, let's let's do it. Um, he's great, of course he is. You know, he was amazing, and he's really good. And having a character who all the other characters talk about in these reverential tones of like he was our our beacon, he was our guy, played by an actor who has played Thurgood Marshall, Jackie Robinson, James Brown, T'Challa. Like, that's a very purposeful piece of casting. Not mm-hmm. just casting a great actor, but casting that particular actor. And it's something very cathartic. It is. It could obviously be too timely in some ways, but I found it very lovely. Um, So, yeah, I could talk about it for hours, but uh, j- there's a lot of reasons you may want to wait to watch it and a lot of re- the re- the reasons you may want to check some of the content before you mm. go into it. But um, I think if, if you can if you feel like you can handle the stuff in it that you could be tough to handle. I think it's totally worth seeing. It's my favorite movie of 2020 right now. And I really just cannot praise the, the acting enough. The score is gorgeous. The it's beautifully made. I just really, really, really loved it. So defy blood. And I, and we usually, you know, on our show, we tend to break tone and, and eulogize a little bit and talk about people who we've discussed on the show and you know, I don't, we're not going to make it all about us, but just like, yeah. Chadwick Boseman. I mean, yep. amazing, brilliant, brilliant. work. Yeah. Uh, um,
0: I think it's, it's one thing to have, cause not too long ago, we, uh, took a bit to talk about, uh, Ian Holm and Joel Schumacher. Um, mm-hmm. and obviously that yeah. was Max von Cito. Yeah. Um, the, you know, it's one thing to talk about, uh, talent like that where it's the these are people who kind of left their mark and you know are already icons um and yeah obviously still tragic but then to talk about uh an actor who by all means is in their prime and you know inspiring people making characters that like or portraying characters that just mean so much to so many people um, yeah yeah it's it's rough
2: it's a very different type of grief when the person is in their 80s and 90s, you mm-hmm. know, at that point. It's not that it isn't sad. You just you look at it different. Yeah. As opposed to 43. Yeah. You know, and and this has been said, but it, it certainly bears repeating that, like, he made eight movies two three mm-hmm. or four of which were superhero action movies like while he was sick like that's incredible yeah. yeah like i i that that is so stunning and he just like kept to himself you know did his job and it's like yeah it it is amazing now to watch you know footage from black panther and be like that's what was ha-. like you there's it's it's amazing yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I do, I do want to go back and, and watch some of his earlier work. I think I've seen bits of Forty Two, but I haven't. I haven't watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And um, is it Five Bridges? Twenty One Bridges? I think it's 21 Twenty One Bridges. Twenty One Bridges. That's a yeah, different that, number this, entirely. The one, from, <laughs>
2: <laughs> the one, the one from last year, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to watch that too. Um, yeah, it's just, I I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It's just like really sad, and I'm mm-hmm. you know. I, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. say anything that that hasn't already been said. So, yeah, it's just,
2: yeah, it's, it's it's really bad. Yeah, and
1: really sad.
2: And I and I i said this before. One of the beautiful things about movies and television is that you you talk about people in the past tense, but you can always talk about their work in the present tense, and and that's a powerful thing. And especially with him, that like the work we're going to be talking about this, it's these movies, you right. know, it's, it's these character. That's, that's a really, a really beautiful thing. Um, I, I had not seen a, as much of his work while he was living. And I've, like, similarly, Alex, I'd like to see 21 Bridges and Thurgood. I've been meaning to, to get on as well.
0: Yeah. I, um, had, I completely did not. I was just looking that up. Um, I did not realize that he had played Thurgood Marshall. I have to check that yeah, out. Yeah,
2: I know. Yeah, I think Sterling K. Brown is in that. Hmm. And he's always good. Um, so yeah, just my my specific recommendation is *The Five Bloods*, but my blank recommendation is do what you are likely already doing, sure. and you know let's let's all watch some some Chadwick Boseman. Did you guys see anything cool in the last since we last recorded that you may wanna <laughs> signal to? The
1: first half of *The Way Back*. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's fine. I need to finish it. I literally started watching it last night, and was like, oh, hey, I should get some sleep. That would be a smart idea. What would have been
2: great is if by the end of the podcast you were like, so I have finished The <laughs> Way Back. <laughs> Had it on in the background <laughs> with subtitles. I, I've, I've, I've I've, gotten it. It's, yeah,
1: we're it's,
0: going it's to stop right now. We're all going to go watch The Way Back, and then we're going to do a mini-review of The Way Back
2: mm-hmm. at the end of this podcast. Um, I, I do have um, a, Alex, I, another you, more interesting you recommendation. quickly
1: rate... Well, real quick, can you quickly rate the dunk quality in the way back? See, I feel bad doing that because a lot of it is like the the opposing teams that are just you, you know oh, kicking the kicking no. the crap out of Ben Affleck's team. They're just dunking, 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 and I, I just no. well, which is
2: crazy because he's from Boston and he loves dunking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oh no. What <laughs> what is your interesting recommendation? Um it's called In a World starring Lake Bell. Um Oh. In short, I think it's her directorial debut. Um it's <laughs> it's from like 2012, 11, somewhere around that time. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. She plays the daughter of a kind of hotshot movie trailer voiceover guy and it's basically her just trying to find some sort of career in a, in this world as as a movie trailer voiceover person, and it's really it's really interesting because they they're bringing they, they they you know talk about how like in a world like that's such a popular thing, and they're they're bringing it back to trailers, and and it's like oh, but but a, a female voice like they'll never be happy with that for a movie trailer voiceover, and she you know she has to to battle the the. Hollywood system in that way it's i don't know it's a fun little cool. uh, you know it's it's half comedy half drama um sure Lake bell's like bells quite good in it it's fairly well directed there's a lot of um interesting actors in it um i don't know I liked it quite a bit um being the voice actor
2: nerd that I am that's been on my on my my list for a long time yeah. Is thats that is that h b o max i'm guessing mm
0: hmm I was one because i okay. i've heard uh Of this and I don't know why and I must have been I must have seen it while browsing HBMX Neat
2: Yeah, I like like Belle I've seen her in other stuff and she always Kind of I'm always like oh right You're actually like really talented like Belle
1: Well the the funny thing is I know her from two other things One of which I started watching Very recently The first of which is Boston Legal She's in like the first season of that And then she she has like a, a, a Special episode later on Um she's quite good in that Um and then two, she plays Poison Ivy in The Harley Quinn Show, and she's amazing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Talking wow. about voiceover work. I, That's awesome. I haven't really watched
0: any movies or anything, but I did watch a, a couple episodes of uh, The Harley Quinn Show, and I'm, uh, it's pretty neat. It's pretty good.
1: Yeah, I'm really curious to, to check that out. Get, get to season two, because there's an intro and outro bit with, with a couple of like fanboys sitting on their couch complaining about how much The Harley Quinn Show sucks. One of them has a release the Snyder cut t-shirt, sure. the other of which has a, the last Jedi is not canon t-shirt. <laughs> and they're just, they're complaining about, oh, you know, Harley Quinn, The show's terrible. It's, 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 it's like feminism and it's so progressive and it's, it's such a problem. And why can't I just have my Batman show? And then the episode proceeds to basically just be a, a, a solely about Batman. And they get to the end of like, it. it was okay, I <laughs> guess, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's, what, I thought it was uh, very, very well handled. The, the sense of humor in that show definitely hits my sensibilities.
2: Did they drop seasons one and two simultaneously?
0: They were out beforehand, I think. Yeah. And I think now they're like...
1: Oh, interesting. I don't know
0: if maybe now they're HBO... like under. I don't, I don't know how that
1: works. I, I, I think at this point it's kind of up okay. in the air about if they're going to get renewed or not. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. It was part of okay, the... I did,
0: It was put on HBO Max as part of the push from the Snyder Cut stuff and like all that. So,
2: oh, that makes sense.
0: Like now, HBO Max has a ton of DC content, basically.
1: Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. All right. Next week, Uh, finishing up Game of Thrones season five and the way back. And the way back. (laughs) <laughs> you, you know, we're gonna get to that point, and you guys are gonna be like, "Oh, how was the the other half of it?" I'm gonna be like, "I didn't finish it. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I did." Uh... All right. Uh, well, oh, well, yeah. Another recommendation. Deep. I watched Upgrade with Cecilia, friend of the podcast. Cecilia, we watched Upgrade because we felt like it, and Upgrade's awesome. Go watch it. I've heard it's good. I've heard it's good. The neat little sci-fi movie. That's all.
2: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Neato. All right, well, well, uh yeah, we'll be back at you. Yeah, you can we'll, we'll be, be way, way back, back at, at, at you. Five. Um,
0: you can find us online hey, at herecomes.blogspot.com, here you can find us on Twitter at HCTSequels. Uh you can email us at here sequels at gmail.com. You can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and Spotify. Um, and uh yeah we got we got contacts contact us we miss (laughs) you we need you
2: (laughs) (laughs) yes please um yeah well i've been britain i've been alex (laughs) i don't have a joke
0: (laughs) i've been tyler and uh you're having a good night wasn't brand
1: a character on the show